Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. How are you? It's Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, glad to have you. I want to do something. I've been meaning to do it. And today just seems like it's the appropriate day to do it. Let me get this data pulled up real quick here because this kind of matters significantly where we actually are just so everybody gets a sense of it because uh, it's time. We, friends, believe it or not, we are 14 days from Election Day. I want to explain to you what I'm going to do real quick on Election Day. Um, we will do the show as normal on election day. And then on my flagship station, WSB, I'll be doing special programming from 6 to 8 p.m. that evening. And then I will be the MC at the uh, gubernatorial celebration for Brian Kemp's re-election. But while I am at the uh, facility to do the event, I will be doing radio hits with my flagship station through the night. And I will at some point figure out a time to do Instagram Live or something. Philip and I are working out the details on what to do to kind of give bring you up to speed on what's actually happening. But right now we're two weeks away from the election. And I want to give you a rundown of where we actually stand with the election. So let me give you the the polling averages for the various seats. And for the Senate, John Fetterman is up 1.3%. Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire is up 3.6%. In North Carolina, Ted Budd is up 3.7%. In Nevada, Adam Laxalt is up eight-tenths of a point. That's down from where he was, but still ahead. In Arizona, Mark Kelly is up 2.5 points. In Georgia, Raphael Warnock is only up five-tenths of a point right now. New polling has come out there. Uh, The Trafalgar group has Herschel Walker up two now. J.D. Vance is up two in Ohio. Ron Johnson's up 2.7 in Wisconsin. Michael Bennett is up 7.5 in Colorado. I don't believe the Republicans are going to win Colorado. Patty Murray is up 8.5 points in Washington State. I don't believe the Republicans will win Washington State. Marco Rubio is up 6.4% in Florida. Uh, Richard Blumenthal is up 10 points in Connecticut. I do not believe the GOP will win Connecticut. What I do believe is that the Republicans will win Wisconsin. And they will win Nevada. The question is, do they win Georgia? My guess is the Republicans win Georgia. I don't know for sure, but I think the Republicans win Georgia. And I suspect the Republicans will win Pennsylvania. Now, here's my thinking, and I mentioned this earlier, but just just follow along with me here. In wave years, and this is inarguably a wave year, you can see it actually in the generic polling average. You just have this massive surge of Republican 
Uh, they went from being, uh, let's see, just to give you a sense of it, on September 16th, Republicans were 43.7%. Democrats were at 45%. In the generic ballot right now, Republicans are at 478 Democrats are at 448 I mean, the Democrats haven't really moved much is since, really since August 5th, they've stayed around 44%. Republicans went from a low of 43 to a, a 0.7 to a high of 47.8. And now they've got a three-point lead on the generic ballot. Republicans tend to overperform their generic ballot lead. So if the Republicans are at three in the generic ballot, they're probably at five in reality. And if the Republicans are at three in the generic ballot right now, then they're outperforming where they were in 2014, which means they're somewhere between 2010 and 2014, which means they probably do win the Senate. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you if Republicans will win Pennsylvania or Georgia or even Arizona. What I can tell you is that in wave years, those who are in the party of the wave tend to overperform. In 1980, Ronald Reagan beat Jimmy Carter. And with him, six Republicans went to the Senate who were called the accidental senators. Those six Republicans won in places like Florida and Georgia and even Washington State. They were not expected to win, those six Republicans. They were in states where all the polling favored the Democrats. And they were called the accidental senators. And I'm trying to, I wrote about this in 1980. That's right. Here we go. This is the list. Voters swept Ronald Reagan into the presidency. And the accidental senators went with him. James Abner of South Dakota. Jeremiah Denton of Alabama. John Porter East of North Carolina. Paula Hawkins of Florida. Mac Mattingly of Georgia. Slade Gorton of Washington. They all ran close races, they were all underdogs, and they all were losers in the polls. And after a single term in office, all of them were gone. Senator John Porter East committed suicide in his reelection. The other five lost reelection. But they were harbingers of things to come, particularly in the South with the GOP flipping. Jeremiah Denton lost to Democratic Congressman Richard Shelby in 1986, Shelby is now retiring as the Republican senator from Alabama. Frank Murkowski, Lisa Murkowski's father, got elected that year. Idaho elected Steve Sims, who served until 1993. Indiana elected Dan Quayle. Iowa elected Chuck Grassley for the first time. He's the last member of the class of 1980 still in Congress. Warren Rudman served until 1993. Wisconsin elected Bob Kasdan, who survived only two terms, and then Russ Feingold beat him in 1992, and then Ron Johnson beat Russ Feingold. 
This is American history. The accidental senator swept in on Ronald Reagan's coattails. In 1980, this year, there are no coattails to be swept in on at the federal level, but at the state level, you've got Kerry Lake possibly with coattails in Arizona sweeping in Blake Masters. In Georgia, you've got Brian Kemp has an impressive ground game, probably going to sweep Herschel Walker in. In Nevada, Adam Laxalt and Joe Lombardo are both very popular politicians in their own right, and they're both pulling each other up. In Pennsylvania, I do kind of think a lot of voters are going to say, I can't bring myself to vote for Mastriano, so I'll vote for Oz, and that's going to help him. In Wisconsin, Ron Johnson running again. He's going to win. If all of this works, if the wave works as waves tend to work, where waves in narrow races, we're talking the Democrats have a one to two percentage point advantage over the Republicans in wave years, that's enough for the GOP to overcome it. Same in in Democratic wave years, by the way. If the Republicans have a one to two point advantage, the Democrats will overcome the wave in a Democratic wave year. So if the wave works as the wave normally works, then Oz wins, Walker wins, Blake Masters wins. And the Republicans get three seats in the Senate with Adam Laxalt. Then there are the governor's races around the country right now. In Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer was thought to have a cakewalk. It was going to be easy. Now she's only up by three points in the polling average. Tony Edwards in Wisconsin is up by one point. Governor Walsh of Minnesota is only up by 2.5 points. Carrie Lake is ahead in Arizona, 1.4 points. That's a Republican hold in a seat where the Democrats said Carrie Lake was so weak, there's no way she could win. Joe Lombardo is up 2.3 points in the polling in Nevada. He's going to win. He will be governor. Uh, Was it Christine Gray? What's her name? Um, 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 Um... Drazen in Colorado, or not in Colorado, I'm sorry, in Oregon. She's winning. She, even the Democrats suggest that she is winning there. Christine Drazen, first Republican governor in Oregon since the 1980s. Data for progress, Democratic firm has her up one. Hoffman Research, Republican has her up two. Emerson College has her up two. The Oregonian has her up one. That's going to flip that seat. Kathy Huschel is up in the polling average, 6.1 points. My guess is she wins, but it's going to be closer than she should. In Georgia, Brian Kemp is up 6.7% in the polling average. Greg Abbott up 9.3% in Texas against Beto O'Rourke. Ron DeSantis, 10 points against Charlie Crist. The Republicans are going to pick up seats. Two months ago, the narrative was that Republicans may take the House, but they were going to be blown out of the water at the state level in state legislatures and governor's mansions. Now it looks like they're going to pick up the Oregon legislature and the Oregon governor's mansion, and they're going to expand themselves in a number of other states. The Democrats, they don't see anything coming. In fact, when you have... Democratic pollsters now telling Democrats, save your money, prepare for 2024. Doom is on the horizon. And part of the reason is because they do not have a compelling message. And right now, they're in the blame game. This is Joe Biden trying to defend himself. Let's go back and see what we inherited from Trump. 
and the mega Republicans. We won the election that we, when we came to office. We inherited a nation in crisis, the pandemic with no end, an economy on the brink, a national debt that increased, they increased in their short time by $8 trillion. And because of the inaction of incompetence of the COVID was running and ruining American lives, look at how far we've come. Uh-huh. Look at how far we've come. Look at all the problems Republicans cause, except here's a problem for the Democrats, is who do you believe? Your eyes and ears? Your eyes and ears, do you believe your eyes and ears, or do you believe the Democrats who say this was all a disaster when Trump was president? Here's the problem for the Democrats. They have not run on a positive message that resonates with voters that says over time, listen, we came through COVID. We're trying to make it better. The whole world is having a problem. We're doing better than most. They wait until the end to try to do that, and it's not going to work. They instead got distracted by nine by January 6th and Donald Trump and abortion and comparing January 6th to 9-11 and on and on it goes. And worked. Has not worked. That fundamentally becomes a problem. That fundamentally becomes an issue. The Democrats waited until the end to say, hey, actually, we took a really bad economy and we're fixing it. No, actually, voters remember this was not a situation that was bad when Donald Trump was president. It became bad after Joe Biden and the Democrats passed a massive stimulus bill that their own econ- economic advisors said would make inflation worse. And they did it anyway. And now the voters are mad. And the problem is the Democrats are the people who caught or the dog that caught the car. And they haven't been able to govern with it. And they've been trying to brag about what they've done. But what they've done has only further alienated the voters of America. And there will be hell to pay on Election Day. And again, there are no signs on the horizon that anyone's coming to save the Democrats, including Donald Trump. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do-tank. Americans for Prosperity is a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Greetings, my friends. How about we spend some time with your phone calls? I'm kind of tired of talking about the election. I I know it's exciting for people, but I mean, I just, I I don't know. There's It's kind of weird. We started the show today. This is the first it's happened in a while where all of the major stories we talked about until the third hour of the show were stories that were breaking during the show. And now we're just kind of back to to me telling you what I think is going to happen over the next two weeks. Remember, turnout matters uh, greatly. I will tell you that in... Uh, Georgia, the state I know the best. Uh, it is uh, the Republican turnout right now is leading Democrats slightly, which is actually unusual. In the last four election cycles, Democrats have outpaced Republicans, and it still may shift a little bit. 
But according to the Atlanta Journal in Georgia, Republicans are outpacing Democrats slightly, barely, but that's a really good sign for the GOP. And by Friday evening, we'll have a sense of whether Herschel Walker might win this outright. Uh, I am now being told, in fact, during commercial break, that we should expect more than just the Trafalgar Group poll to come out showing Herschel Walker has swung into the lead. And I'm being told that uh, the Walker campaign poll in itself is showing a decisive break for Walker. We'll see whether that bears out in the public polling. I, I don't really trust being told what private polling is saying. There are some groups that I actually do trust. They're keeping me informed, but I also don't want to be spun. So I want you to know that. We'll see what the public polls say. Uh, and then in Arizona, Blake Masters, uh, his polling allegedly is showing a big surge for him. We will see. Again, wave years tend to bring people across the finish line. Let's go to the phones. Phil, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Phil. How are you? Hey, good. How you doing? Good. What's going on? I had just visited Massachusetts, and coming back from there, which is my home state before I decided to move to Georgia, I just don't think people understand the difference between bad years in a southern state and bad years in a blue state. Now, really quickly, up there, gas is a buck more a gallon. It's been a buck more a gallon for over a year. Their energy costs are completely out of control. They all bought solar about a year ago. Almost every house in Massachusetts has solar. They took out loans for that. And after getting about a year of no electric bills, they're all back to getting four and $500 bills, bills larger than I get in Georgia here. Um, and the grocery stores, I want to say a solid 40% higher. Well, we it, could not even possibly live there anymore. It's so expensive. And I don't think people realize the difference. We're so close to becoming a blue state. And I just think people should look at a blue state and see what it costs to live there and really think if that's what you want. Because it's unbelievable. I saw over at Breitbart earlier today that they uh, are noting that already uh, fuel oil or heating oil for New England states is being rationed already up there. That people are asked not to consume as much because it's so expensive. Uh, People in the South, I don't think, understand. And Phil, thanks very much for the phone call. I don't know that people in the South understand that in, in New England, a lot of houses actually have oil that heats their houses. I've got uh, a propane tank. A lot of people in the South have propane tanks for either uh, grills or for uh, fireplaces indoors. Uh, very few people use propane, I think, for their for their ranges, for their, their stoves. But for like the, the fake logs and stuff in their house and all, we, people use propane. People have propane tanks. And a lot of people have natural gas in the South. If you don't have propane tank, you have natural gas. In the north, they have heating oil, and they fill up these tanks with heating oil, and it is getting extremely, absurdly expensive for people in New England right now, so much so they're having to ration it. It really is remarkable to me that the Democrats went all in on climate change and are wrecking our economy as a result, and now they're mad that voters may vote for their pocketbook issues instead of preserving the economy or instead of preserving democracy, it is a really big disconnect between the voters and the Democrats right now. And the Democrats, because the media affirms them in their bubble so much, cannot recognize that they're the ones who got it wrong. When we come back, we'll throw open the phone lines. We'll take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. I do want to spend a few moments on Greta Thunberg and the Democrats when we come back. But your phone calls first, happy to take them. As always, text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Subscribe to the show notes, get the podcast, get the live feed, get my social media outlets.
When you're ready to hop into a soft, cozy bed, your sheets make a big difference. Bolin Branch Sheets use only the best 100% organic cotton threads on earth for superior softness that only gets more luxurious with every wash. I know because I sleep in bowl and brand sheets. And let me tell you, you know, they start off like your standard bed sheet and you're thinking, what's the big deal? Well, wash them. You see the difference. Wash them again. You feel the difference more and more. They get softer over time and they've got the perfect weight. They've got that weight in the summertime where you feel like substantively there's something on you, but yet you're not sweating to death. And in the wintertime, it's just the perfect snug fit for the bowl and brand sheets. They focus on thread quality, not quantity, although the quality and the quantity both are fantastic. Now, they got over 25,000 rave customer reviews made from the highest quality threads you can get. Bolin Branch Signature Sheets come in nine colors. They fit all mattress sizes. You will feel the difference. And again, you got a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns. What do you have to lose? Try them. Keep washing them. They get softer and softer. Go to Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. Use promo code ERIC. You'll get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping with the promo code ERIC, my name, at BolinBranch.com. Again, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com, the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, feel free to call in. The lines are open. I want to spend some time on your calls before I get on to anything else. So let me start with Steve. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Eric? Good. What's going on? Yeah, I was uh, just recently watching the Walker uh, Warnock debate uh, on YouTube, and I was getting frustrated again with the way all this, uh, you know, the debate system and the way it works with these uh, moderators that are, you know, leaning left. You know, the questions they had. The first one was the economy. The second was threats to democracy. And the last one was abortion. Where was crime? You know, uh, you know. Uh, but anyhow, Walker did. I, I was surprised how well he did. But in the long term, I was wondering, can we do something about this debate system instead of having the, the news channels in charge of it? How about like the DNC gets to ask three questions, the RNC gets to ask three questions? As the opposed to the DNC just... asking all of the questions via the moderator. Yeah, look, um, I don't know that there's a fix for the debate. In, in all seriousness, Steve, I, I don't know that there is because uh, it's, it's part of the American political routine that we have these debates. Uh, to Walker's credit, he only did one debate, and he set the terms of the debate, and one of those terms was that both candidates had to answer the same question. Because sometimes debates will be, you answer this question, now you answer this question. Uh, Walker got flack for not participating in the Atlanta Press Club debate. Um, They would have had a very good moderator at the Atlanta Press Club debate. Um, They would have had a really, really good moderator who would have been fair, would have gotten substantive questions. The problem, as I understand it from the Walker campaign, is that the board of the Atlanta Press Club, several of them are Warnock supporters, and they didn't want to participate in a group that claims some level of fairness where they're all in on one side. And I I understand that from him, although the the moderator himself would have been a straightforward, straight shooter. I, I Look, I don't think debates are very persuasive, although the Walker-Warnock debate clearly helped Herschel Walker a ton. 
And the odds are so low that John Fetterman's going to be able to do a good job in his debate uh, that he may win his debate in the same way Walker won his debate. Set expectations so low that if he can be coherent in the debate, do it. But we've seen John Fetterman on a debate stage where he's not very coherent. And so I don't know that he can that he can live up to the bar that Herschel Walker said of just be coherent. It's going to be interesting to see, but most debates, I don't think matter who in Florida was persuaded by Charlie Crist and Ron DeSantis. Did you hear any of this debate? And you want to talk about you want to talk talk about standing up for taxpayers. Uh, when Charlie Crist was governor, he ran saying he would not raise taxes. He became governor, and he signed off on the largest increase in taxes and fees in the history of the state of Florida. That's time, we governor. just enacted the largest decrease in taxes in the history of Florida. Thank you. By the way, uh, there should be no people present during the debate who aren't part of the debate. The, the crowd there was 50-50 DeSantis, Chris. They were just rude. One more. Thank you. I just and thanks, to everybody, for tuning in. You know, Charlie Chris has voted with Joe Biden 100% of the time to give up these inflationary policies and to drive up the cost of everything that we're doing. And the fact of the matter is, over the last two years, we've now have record inflation all across this country at 40-year highs. He supports Biden's energy policies, which have made gas and utilities more expensive. Uh, that is wrong. And I would Why also say this. You that? mentioned, Liz, that people are flocking to Florida. That would not have happened if Charlie Chris had his way. He wrote me a letter in July of 2020 saying you need to shut down the state of Florida. He said you need to force people to shelter in their own homes. That would have destroyed the state of Florida. That would have caused... That would have caused our tourism industry to go into the toilet. It would have locked out millions of kids from school. I rejected Charlie Chris's lockdown letter. I kept this state open and I kept this state free. And we now have the biggest budget surplus in the history of Florida. Uh, we have a 2.5% unemployment, governor, second lowest time. on record, and we just did the biggest tax cut in Florida Thank history. Thank you, Governor. That's just uh, take the crowds out of the debates. I don't think we're going to be able to get rid of them. I don't think we're going to be able to fundamentally change them, but get rid of the crowds. 877-973-7425. Mike, you're up next. Welcome to the show. Mike, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you, Eric. Um, I just heard you earlier give a good comparison between Walker and Warnock and why we should vote for Walker. Um, well, 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 just to be clear, just to be clear, I, I just I want to tell people why I am. I'm not going to push people to uh, – people make up their own mind. I don't want to tell people what to do. I got you. I got you. Well, okay. Um, I believe that Democrats, all Democrats right now, have a huge weakness, and that Americans have a simmering anger that they've been forced to accept policies that they never asked for and they didn't want. And I saw, I, I got this idea from Gingrich a couple months ago. He, he showed very vividly what uh, people, you know, in surveys said they wanted, what percentage, and then what Democrats were voting for. I think something like this would be very interesting to the public um, because, you know, you could begin, uh, anyone could begin with talking about that America was formed, fortunately, uh, for the people to vote for reps who you would kind of expect would be voting the way people would like to see them vote and then do a comparison, whether it's in an ad or numbers. Uh, but at any rate, show 
you know, uh, defunding police, illegal immigration, whatever, how people feel, and then what the majority of Democrats in the House and in the Senate had voted for. And then um, the way I would do that is I'd say, you know, I just suggest you do one thing, vote ADD. And I, I guess this is kind of against what you're what you're trying to no, do. No, no. Look, I, 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 I listen. I, I, I understand the people out there who they they look at the two candidates. They're sorely disappointed. They're like, "Why do I have to choose between the evils of two lessers?" I don't want to do it. And I was very much in that camp in 2016. And I'm not going to throw stones at people who are looking at this. All I will say is what 2016 taught me when I decided not to vote for either of those candidates is that it's going to be one of those two parties gets elected. And because it's going to be one of those two parties that get elected, and I'm not going to not vote, I'm not going to just sit it out, I'm going to vote. So I might as well vote for the party whose policies I like versus the party whose policies I don't like. And I think we should be mindful of the fact that there is a a tactic being deployed by the Democrats, a strategy, if you will, that is deeply committed to making you feel ashamed for who you're voting for if you're voting Republican. They want you to feel ashamed of voting Republican. They want you to feel guilty in hopes that you who have a sense of shame and guilt will not actually go vote for Herschel Walker. It is part of their strategy. And I'll be damned if I'm going to fall for part of their strategy of making me feel bad about voting for a guy who 20 years ago uh, did some bad things and we know about them because he wrote a book about them as he repented for them, as opposed to voting for a so-called reverend who wants to make me pay for abortion on demand tomorrow in a host of left-wing social policies. I would much rather vote for the sinner who repented than the sinner who doesn't even think his sins are a sin. Now, back to the phones we go. Matt, you're up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show, Matt. Hey, Eric. Uh, called you a couple days ago. You, I was the one you called a fantastic caller for making you look good. Well, do it again. <laughs> do it again. Bat a thousand. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I called back. <laughs> so one of, the, one of the, the things that I like to bring up to my friends who I have, I have a lot of friends that work in the film industry the vast majority of the film industry has moved to Atlanta and they are still voting like idiots, even though they've fled California. Oh yeah. I mean, all I, all I ask of them is if you're going to move here, come here and vote correctly. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Okay. So here's the problem. They think they think, think they are voting correctly because they can afford to live in California the way it is. And, and they think they're charitable. And so they think that they elevate people. It it, absolutely disastrous public policies that they want to vote for. Um, (laughs) The reality though, is that a lot of the Georgians who are employed by the film industry are not of the left and there are more of them still. Uh, So I have a theory, Matt, and and let me, let me, let me just run this. Look, I appreciate you calling in and let, let me just say this. Here's my theory. Georgia is not as purple a state as the media has led us to believe. The reason Georgia was a purple state is not because Georgia is a 50-50 split, but people didn't like Donald Trump. Donald Trump did not have the 2020 race stolen from him. He lost it. And many of you who think it was stolen from him are going to need to explain on November 9th 
how it was that Brian Kemp and Burt Jones and the like did not have the election stolen from them. How could Stacey Abrams steal it from Donald Trump and not from anybody else to benefit herself? And you're not going to have an answer. You're going to try to come up with some foolishness, but you're not because the reality is there were irregularities and there were problems. There were incidents, but there was not an outright theft of the election from Donald Trump. People did not like him. 27,968 Georgians voted in 2020 and said, to hell with this race. I'm not voting for either one of these clowns. Had just half of them voted, Trump would be president of the United States. Or, well, he would have won Georgia. He would have still fallen short because of the other states. But still, you get my point. He would have won the state of Georgia. Here's my thinking. Donald Trump makes the state look like it's a purple state. But when you take Donald Trump off the board, like is happening this year, the state's still a Republican state. The voters in the metro Atlanta area in 2016 voted for Marco Rubio in the Republican primary. They're not big Trump fans. And Trump skewed the data. You take him off the table, suddenly Georgia's a Republican state again. And that's why I think Walker can win without having to go into a runoff. Back to the phones we go. Darren, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I just want to say I pray for you and your wife every day. Thank but, you very um, much. You're you're most welcome. Um, I noticed, I, w- I watch YouTube and listen to music on YouTube. I've noticed that there's almost no Stacey Abrams ads. Um, I see a lot of Warnock ads. Now, a month ago, there were mostly Stacey Abrams. So I, I think you are right. I, I I feel like the Democrats have given up on her. Yeah, listen, uh, the Democratic Governors Association has yanked their money out of the state of Georgia and put it into Oregon to try to save the Democratic candidate out there. They've given up on Abrams. Uh, Abrams' money is winding down. Uh, It turns out she's been running a big grifting operation, and a lot of the money people thought was going to Abrams was going to friends of Abrams. It's The whole thing is collapsing around her, and I love to watch it happen. So can I be honest with you guys? And and I shouldn't because this is just going to get me in trouble with some of you. I kind of feel bad enjoying watching the collapse of Stacey Abrams. And the reason I do is because I interviewed her in 2018 when she ran the first time. And I really thought highly of her, not because I agreed with her on stuff, but because of her competence. She would answer questions. And she did something that very few progressives are capable of doing. She fairly and honestly explained what the Republicans believed. Didn't exaggerate it. Didn't condescend. She just explained, here's where the Republicans believe. And then here's why I think they're wrong. And she would pick apart their arguments and make persuasive arguments. Now, I disagreed with her, but she could do that. And then laugh at herself and acknowledge some things she had gotten wrong and changed her mind on. She doesn't do that anymore. She built her, she believed her press. She built a massive machine. She's convinced herself that Georgia would flip in 2022. She gave an interview in, I think, 2016 saying 2022 is the year Georgia would flip. And now it's not flipping for her. And she's gotten angry. And she's hurling accusations. She can't take responsibility. And she needs this humbling experience. She does. 
she needs to be humbled in this way. And I hope she'll realize maybe God's telling her something as opposed to just blaming misogyny, racism, bigotry, and voter suppression. Uh, and and maybe she will actually make a meaningful contribution to um, the American Republic. But right now, all she's doing is believing her own press, coasting on celebrity, lost her sense of humor, and now she's screaming uh, as she goes down in flames for a campaign she's wanted to run forever as a stepping stone to be president. Sometimes God has other plans for you. And I think that Stacey Abrams' ambitions got the better of her, and she needs this loss for her own character. One of the groups helping her lose is called Patriot Mobile, and you, by doing business with Patriot Mobile, is helping the conservative movement advance and helping beat some of these woke candidates like Stacey Abrams. What you do is you take your business to Patriot Mobile, and they're a Christian conservative cell phone provider. They have a political action committee, and they pour a portion of their profits into it. They're designed that way. They're the only explicitly Christian conservative cell phone provider in America. They use the same towers other companies use, so you get the same great service, and you're doing business with a company that shares your value. What you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT. They use the same cell towers other people use. They have 100% customer service in the U.S. So you call 972-PATRIOT, tell them I sent you. You get free activation. You're talking to people in this country. Or you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric and you get free activation. They've got a great detailed map all the way down to your house to see the great coverage they have. And then they send a portion of their profits to the causes you care about. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I have to, well, play you this audio. I've saved it for the end intentionally. This is from, of all places, MSNBC. Noah, meanwhile, there's brand new polling from likely Hispanic voters in Florida, which shows Ron DeSantis with a solid advantage there. What does it tell us? Well, it tells us that he has buy-in, and it confirms a lot of the Republican claims that Hispanic voters are trending further and further to the right in Florida. Now, it's important to point out that a Hispanic voter in Florida is significantly different than a Hispanic voter in other parts of the Sun Belt. But Republicans clearly are effective in messaging to these groups of Hispanic voters in Florida. Right now, DeSantis a seven-point lead over Charlie Crist for this upcoming race. But what's maybe even more telling is his 56% overall approval with likely Hispanic voters in Florida. That tells us that even some Charlie Chris voters support what the governor is doing. Yes. Mentioned the poll itself a little bit yesterday. Only got to play the audio today. Turns out a majority of Hispanic voters in Florida were okay with the trip to Martha's Vineyard. Uh-huh. And also, they support Ron DeSantis. In fact, Democrats in Florida are dropping F-bombs. Oh, you know the F-bomb that uh, DeSantis could win Miami-Dade outright. Miami-Dade has a Republican mayor, but at the local level, it doesn't matter so much. It's a pretty Democratic area of the state, and DeSantis could win it outright. And if the DeSantis team wins that outright, it has spillover effects in places like Palm Beach County, which are very Democrat, that no one expects DeSantis to win, but he could mitigate uh, Chris there, who's 10 points down in the polling, right about where Stacey Abrams is against uh, Kemp. In fact, the bigger story on election night is who's going to get a bigger win margin, Brian Kemp or Ron DeSantis, those two southeastern states. One of those two people wants to run for president of the United States, and DeSantis will get a huge enough win in Florida that you're going to see a lot of Republicans start saying he's the logical choice in 2022 
as I've been saying, very much like they did with George W. Bush after his 1998 win in Texas, they're going to start saying, we could lock this guy in. He flipped a state that was bluish purple and made it red, which is what Bush did in 98 in Texas and DeSantis is doing now in, in Florida, makes him a logical fit for 2024.